Epigenetics Podcast, Episode 8. Diabetes and Epigenetics Welcome to the 8th episode of the Epigenetics Podcast from Active Motif. My name is Stefan and I am part of the technical support team of Active Motif. The topic of this episode is Diabetes and Epigenetics. Our special guest for this episode is Jean-Sébastien Anicot from the University in Lille. And I'm happy now to sit down with you here at the third meeting of the French group studying the functions of the Langerhans Island in Marseille. I hope I translated the, the title of the, yeah. <laughs> the conference correctly. Uh, thank you, Jean-Sébastien, for joining me today. And... Uh, Please let me quickly introduce you to our audience because uh, they might not know you as well. Um, you studied biochemistry and then biology and health at the University of Lille. Um, you then went on to do your PhD in molecular and cellular biology at the IGBMC in Strasbourg, which you received in 2004 then. And since, since 2012, you are now group leader of the molecular basis and modelization of diabetes and obesity team, second at the French National Research Center in Lille. A question I like to ask every guest to start off our little podcast is, um, how did you become interested in pursuing a career in science or at least uh, in basic biology? Yeah, hi, Stefan, and thank you for uh, inviting me to uh, this uh, podcast. So uh, basically, during my PhD, I was uh, supervised by uh, Johan Oerks and Christina Skunians and that are world leaders in the field of metabolic research and gene regulation. And they gave me the really nice opportunity to start my uh, scientific career in the best, best environment that a PhD uh, student could dream of. And in particular, my project was highly uh, risky, but they gave me all the keys to succeed. And working in the team was highly motivating, challenging and stimulating. And I think science is really exciting and I feel my work has passion and what could be, uh, what could, uh, be better than doing this uh, during all my life? Nothing, I guess. Was there some kind of a key situation you had in your childhood that maybe interested you in biology? Yeah, actually it was like during my, um, my studies, uh, I had a, a professor that really uh, explained me uh, basically mitosis. Okay. And it was like... Uh, 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 okay, I thought it was really interesting and exciting. So I said, okay, this is probably something that I would like to do uh, uh, in my uh, in my career. Now, uh, your main research fo focuses on diabetes, especially type 2 diabetes. Uh, could you just give us a quick overview on diabetes type 2 and maybe also what discriminates it from type 1 diabetes? Yeah, so diabetes mellitus is a, a chronic disease caused by uh inherited and or acquired deficiency in production of uh, insulin by the pancreas or by the uh, infectiveness of uh, the insulin produced. So such a deficiency results in uh, increased concentration of glucose in the blood and which in turn damage many of the body systems, in particular the blood vessels and nerves. And so there are two principal forms of diabetes, uh, actually type 1 diabetes Uh, in which the pancreas, uh, the pancreas fails to produce uh, the insulin, insulin, excuse me, which is uh, essential for survival. And type 2 diabetes, which uh, results from the body's inability to respond properly to the action of insulin produced uh, by the pancreas. And type 2 diabetes is uh, much more common and accounts for around 
80, uh, 90% of all diabetes cases worldwide. And it occurs most frequently in adults, but uh, is being noted increasingly in adolescents as well. We are now an uh, epigenetics podcast, so my interest would be how does uh, epigenetics come into play into this uh, disease um, and which epigenetic factors might play a role in this? Yeah, so the, the, there's, uh, there are several ways to uh, control gene expression, in particular the uh, subtle and uh, reversible modification on DNA uh, and histone plays a key role in gene transcription and the subsequent uh, adaptation to the cell to its uh, environment. And as you know, certain genetic markers have been shown to increase the risk of developing type 1 and type 2 diabetes. In addition, uh, several environmental factors might impact the risk of uh, developing diabetes. And although, although in the uh, beginning of my career this was not obvious, uh, several important studies have shown that modification of histones could turn on or off the expression of genes and directly impact the function of a cell. So working for years on studying the uh, contribution of transcription factors, it appeared uh, interesting to add a new layer of complexity to our studies and trying to uh, better understand their mode of action and epigenetics enter the game. So the first uh, thing I come across is LRH1. So here your main goal is to decode the role of transcription factors and transcription co-regulators uh, in diabetes, also in order to investigate this uh, type of disease. And uh, on your website, I found that uh, you created a mouse model for the conditional inactivation for this, uh, yeah, it's the orphan nuclear receptor LRH1. Um, why did you aim for this target and what kind of uh, results? did you obtain using this uh, mouse model system? Yeah, so um, this was uh, one of the main subjects of my lab at that time. Um, this yeah. uh, nuclear receptor so, was... Sorry to interrupt you. Uh, was this, uh, where was this? Was this already... In uh, Strasbourg. In Strasbourg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, this was one of the main subjects of my lab in Strasbourg. So at that time, this uh, nuclear receptor was a hot topic. Uh, it was cloned a few years ago, but its function was uh, were unknown. So... Tools were not available, and to decipher its functions, the best strategy uh, was to develop a mouse model in which we could remove the gene yeah. in a tissue and time-specific manner. So I spent more I, s I spent more than uh, four years to uh, create this model, and this helped us to understand its contribution to liver diseases, inflammation, as well as cancer. So what were like uh, the Yeah, the, the challenges you had in this mouse model, because you said it, it was four years. Uh, why was it like four years? Yeah, was because um, um, it was at that time uh, not too complicated to manipulate DNA, but uh, I realized that uh, it was not so obvious. Yeah. So uh, I created actually, uh, uh, um, I, I did a lot of ES, uh, uh, ESL um, screening to uh, obtain this uh, mutation, And it was uh, really a nightmare because uh, uh, we had two ES clones, ES cell clones that were, um, uh, it, it's quite complicated. Yeah, yeah, sure, <laughs> sure, sure, sure. <laughs> no, we, we, got, we got some clones, uh, but uh, it was really difficult to obtain the mice, actually. Yeah, There yeah. was a, a okay. an hypomorphic allele. And so that means that um, it was really, really, really tough to, uh, to obtain okay, the mice. Yeah. Or so then finally you got your your, your mice uh, but, but what kind of regulatory path, regulatory pathways did you then unravel so we uh, deciphered several pathways that were regulated by this uh, nuclear receptor at the chromatin level including 
glucocorticoid synthesis, inflammation, estrogen receptor signaling, cancers. And during my PhD, I developed chromatin IP using mouse tissues. Okay. Uh, and it was not easy at that time. So uh, I finally succeeded. And, and this uh, really reinforced me to uh, better understand what was happening at the chromatin level. Okay. Then you moved on and in a paper published in 2009 in uh, Nature Cell Biology, you discovered uh, yeah, that, the that the transcription factor E2F1 uh, was a key regulator of pancreatic B-cell proliferation and function. Um, could you shortly describe the role of E2F1 in insulin secretion? Yeah, so actually during my PhD, I also worked on E2F1. Yep. So we published a paper in GCI where we... Uh, demonstrated that the cell cycle regulator E2F1, uh, a, transcription a transcription factor previously known to control cell proliferation, uh, regulates also postnatal pancreatic beta cell proliferation. Okay. And we then showed that uh, E2F1 also controls insulin secretion for the regulation of key target genes in beta cells. And once again, chromatin regulation was key in this new layer of regulation. Okay. Um, in a later study on your E2F1 knockout mass, you investigated the role of uh, E2F1 in oxidative metabolism. Um, how did the E2F1 knockout influence the mass and what was then the role of E2F1? Yeah, so we uh, demonstrated that E2F1 forms uh, a complex on its target genes with a repressor that is uh, the retinoblastoma protein. And that uh, in its absence, uh, such as observing the knockout mice, uh, genes are derepressed, leading to the activation of specific gene expression program that are involved in oxidative metabolism and mitochondrial functions. Okay. And finally, uh, last year you published a paper investigating the effect of E2F1 in gluconeogenesis and effects on uh, diabetes, right? Yeah, so this is the last step of our discoveries to date. So uh, here we show that uh, removing E2F1 protects against non-alcoholic uh, steatohepatitis, uh, often associated to insulin resistance and type 2 diabetes. So um, in addition, we also demonstrated that E2F1 controls uh, hepatic glucose production, uh, one of the uh, hallmarks of type 2 diabetes. Yeah, um Then uh, also something that you mentioned today uh, in your talk, uh, which is very interesting, is CAT2B, which is a histone, um, what is it? Uh, Acetyltransferase. Acetyl yeah. 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 And you published this in uh, 2016 in a, a cell reports paper um, on chromatin, um, also chromatin modifying yeah, enzymes. And um, yeah, you did also a knockout. And how did the loss of this enzyme uh, influence your mice? Yeah. So um, the link between CAT2B and E2F1 has been demonstrated uh, in, the, in the past. So following our studies uh, in the liver and pancreas, I was really looking for a chromatin mod remodeling complexes that could explain the paradoxical uh, role of E2F1 in the pancreas, at the same time contro controlling insulin secretion, which decreases uh, glycemia, and also in the liver, controlling glucose production. Mm -hmm. So to me, the uh, only explanation could be related to uh, the uh, E2F1 interactome. So we started by uh, studying the role of uh, CAT2B, which has been shown to be uh, an, uh, a partner of E2F1, and demonstrated that it directly regulates uh, insulin secretion. Yeah. Uh, did you also have a look, because yeah, we are uh, interested in uh, histone modifications and, and uh, all those things, uh, did you also have a look at the histone modifications that were altered in uh, CAT2B uh, knockout? Yeah, so not in, in this context at that time, because uh, 
uh, we were not uh, able to do that. Yeah. Uh, working with uh, uh, pancreatic tissue was uh, for us at that time complicated. But we are now currently evaluating the distribution of uh, some histone marks in uh, a genome-wide uh, manner to identify the contribution of CAT2B to uh, modify the epigenetic code in uh, different settings, including uh, diabetes. Yeah. Yeah, and now during your talk today, you also gave an overview over yeah the things you're currently investigating in your lab. Um, yeah, and this is going to into the direction of epitranscriptomics also, which is obviously a very hot topic at the moment. Um, uh, this yeah, since this is all unpublished data, I don't want to go too yeah. much into detail, but uh, yeah. Could you just tell me a little bit more about uh, what you're doing in this area? Yeah, so um, uh, basically what we have observed is that there was uh, not only DNA that could be modified with epigenetics and uh, methylation of DNA, also uh, histone uh, methylation or acetylation, but uh, there was uh, an old process that was discovered in the, uh, uh, mm, let's say, 70s that was the modification of RNA. And RNA could also can also be methylated as DNA. And what is really important and interesting is that there's quite a lot of uh, um, regulation linked to uh, methylation of RNA, such as uh, stability of the RNA, tra translation, or stuff like that. And we are pretty sure that this is um, really important in, in metabolic diseases and could contribute also to uh, metabolic disease. So I will not talk too much about that because uh, we are uh, investigating this uh, this uh, this effect. But uh, we are pretty sure that there's a, a, a new field of a new layer of regulation that is really linked to, um, let's say, uh, uh, RNA modifications yeah, and epitranscriptomics. Yeah. So this is uh, really interesting because we now have like three layers. You have the, the primary uh, sequence of the DNA. Then you have like the epigenetics, yeah. with, which is histone code, histones, also DNA, methyla DNA methylation. Now there is even a more layer, another layer coming into the game like yeah. with RNA methylation yeah. modifications. Uh, this is really getting complex, right? Yeah, <laughs> and, and actually I think that all are uh, linked together. So that means that uh, you need to have some histone modification to have... Uh, uh, an emethylation and there's uh, uh, really nice papers uh, coming out now these days that you also mentioned one one today yeah, yeah, in a nature talk, paper right? showing that uh, there's a link directly direct link between uh, H3 uh, K36 uh, 3 methylation and um, methylation of RNA so <clears throat> this is a really hot topic now yeah yeah If you take all this together now your studies and this uh, things from from the literature um, what kind of therapeutic strategies do you see for diabetes uh, in, in, in this context? Yeah, so this is a really tricky question. I think that um, some molecules are currently on the market, uh, but it remains difficult to uh, maintain a controlled uh, glycemic profile for diabetic patients. So we need new drugs to treat diabetes. I hope we will make some progress in that direction um, based on our past and uh, future and current uh, results Yeah. Um, where do you see the targets? Is it more the the enzymes or I guess it would be then the enzymes or uh, where do you see the targets? Yeah, so this is exactly what we are uh, currently doing now. So we have some targets that we have identified. We are uh, playing now with uh, molecules to modify the action of this, uh, these uh, targets and trying to... Um, at least uh, in uh, preclinical models to analyze whether those drugs that are tar targeting our um, um, specific proteins and enzymes are really uh, uh, playing a role in the uh, uh, 
tied to diabetes development. So this is ongoing. Yeah, yeah. Um, in the same context, where do you think the field of diabetes research is moving, especially in the in terms of epigenetics? So uh, epigenetics are a really hot topic, and and several studies demonstrate that uh, aging, uh, obesity, type 2 diabetes are epigenetically controlled. So we need to be really precise in deciphering the exact mechanism that are involved in those diseases. And I'm pretty sure we will learn a lot in the near future with the development of new technologies such as RIME, so the uh, things you are doing in yeah. active motif, or single cell analysis, for example. So there's still a lot of work to do, but we'll continue to work on it with patients. So what do you think um, will be the, the bottleneck here? Um, because, yeah, I mean, there are several new techniques coming out, right? There is RNA uh, sequencing. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, you also talked about MeClip, um, or no, no, it was not MeClip, no, but, but MeDipSeq yeah, yeah. um, for also for RNA. Um, where do you see the limitations here? Or what, where do you see it's, that so improvements I've, need to be made? I think there's a uh, limitation on uh, human resources because you need a lot of people to do this type of experiments. And you need also to have some... Um, Uh, a computational biology to analyze all the data that are generated by this type of uh, approaches. So once you have all this uh, uh, work, um, human resources and, and, and computational biologists, um, bioinformatical biologists also, uh, then you can uh, think about uh, analyzing the data and go um, uh, in the uh, good direction. But I think this, uh, uh, that is probably the, the, the most limiting factor for that. Do you think that uh, computer learning, machine learning, and artificial intelligence would, would help going forward? It, wo it, it will. I'm pretty sure it will. Uh, how? I don't know yet <laughs> because uh, this is uh, something that uh, um, we are thinking of. But uh, uh, yeah, it will help. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. So, Jean-Sébastien, thank you very much for your time and uh, for the interview. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much. This was the eighth episode of the Epigenetics podcast from Active Motif. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. We are happy to receive your feedback on Twitter, Facebook or LinkedIn. If you have any further questions, you can also reach me at eurotech at activemotif.com. You can download the podcast also via iTunes. For more great epigenetics content, check out the Active Motif blog Motivations at activemotif.com slash blog. Thanks for listening and stay tuned.